I want you to know that I am as nervous as a cat on a hot tin roof. Uh, This is a tough message only because of where we are. And when you read it, especially ladies, you'll see, okay, how's he going to get himself out of this? Um, And the problem is I don't have to, but the Lord... Um, sees fit that, that, that he wants to use people of both gender, men and women, within our church. But it's, if you just read where we're at today in Scripture, then you, you might become confused. So we need to kind of do some teaching. This is going to be more a Bible study than um, maybe a preaching message or, or just something that you would just preach. Uh, I want you to turn with me, please, to uh, 1 Timothy chapter 2, where we are normally, but we are going to cross-reference 1 Timothy with 1 Corinthians chapter 14 as well. So let's start with 1 Corinthians chapter 2, and you will find, if you are visiting with us, that we do not try to duck or hide away from what would be difficult passages. We, um, we attempt to teach the whole council of the Word of God. And um, we try to make sense of what God wants to say. Let me just say from the very beginning, perhaps it would be healthier for me to put it this way. Ladies, we believe that there is no place here in church that you cannot minister. We believe the Bible teaches very clearly, as we're going to see in 1 Timothy chapter 3, that there are limits within... um, what a woman would do within the structure of a church, but that's God's call, not ours. And God allows there to be pastors and elders as men only. Every other position underneath that is wide open for any person, male or female. I want to say that up front because I want to take away any of the apprehension you might be, but now what I would like to do by the grace of God is to teach you what Paul is saying here in 1 Timothy chapter 2. Read with me verses 8 through 15. And you'll see this is a very difficult little place. Therefore, Paul says, I want the men in every place to pray, lifting up holy hands without wrath or dissension. Likewise, he says in verse 9, I want women to adorn themselves with proper clothing, modestly, it discreetly, not with braided hair or gold or pearls or costly garments. That, that basically, that was a time in that time where they, they just over... Never mind it. I'll explain it later. Verse 10. But rather, what he wants a woman is by means of good works, as, as proper for women making a claim to godliness. Now, here's where it gets to be a little sticky. Verse 11, a woman must remain, must quietly receive instruction with entire submissiveness. I do not allow a woman to teach or exercise authority over a man, but to remain quiet. For it was Adam who was first created, and then Eve. That takes us back to Genesis chapters 2 and 3, which we studied in connection of marriages. Verse 14, it was not Adam who was deceived, but the woman being deceived fell into transgression. But women will be preserved through the bearing of children if they continue in faith and love and sanctify with self-restraint. Okay, in and of itself, that, that to me is, is very difficult to look at. I mean, how do you justify where Paul says, I don't want a woman to teach. I want her to, not to exercise any authority over a man. I want her to be quiet. 
sounds chauvinistic to any of us that would read that. But to fully understand what we have just read, we need to cross-reference this place in Scripture to learn what Paul is really trying to teach so that we understand what is, what is really fitting within the framework of a church. Because, honestly, this place could be volatile. It could cause dissension, not only within the church, but within our homes, between men and women, if we are not accurate with God's Word. So, to do this now, what I'm going to ask you to do, if you wouldn't mind, is to put a, a card or something here in 1 Timothy, but turn back to the left to 1 Corinthians chapter 14. Paul makes the same statement here, but he gives us a little more discernment in what he has to say. He begins by saying, let's, let's just start, uh, let's just start at verse 34 because it talks about women keeping silent in church, and we'll read to the end of the chapter. Verse 34, let the women keep silent in churches, for they are not permitted to speak, but let them subject themselves just as the law also says. And if they desire to learn anything, let them ask their own husbands at home, for it is improper for a woman to speak in church. You can see we have uh, the same problem here. He asks a question rhetorically. Was it from you that the word of God first went forth? Or has it come from you only? He answers, if anyone thinks they are a prophet or spiritual, let them recognize that the things which I write to you are the Lord's commandment. But if anyone does not recognize this, he is not recognized. The word recognized there would be better translated, he is more ignorant. Therefore, very key, verses 39 and 40, Therefore, my brethren, desire earnestly to prophesy, and do not forbid to speak in tongues, but let all things be done properly and in orderly fashion. I want you to look back at chapter 14, verse 1, just for a, a, a reference, just a start. Paul says in verse 1 of 1 Corinthians 14, to pursue love. Yet he says, I want you to desire earnestly spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. Now, to prophesy is a clear call for the church to teach the Word of God. That we do. That is a, 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 a desire of our church. It is desire for us that we would teach the apostles' teachings. We do not try to stray from that. The reason we want to do that is what Paul said at the end of chapter 14. So as things could be done properly and in an orderly fashion. In the middle of this chapter, chapter 14, verse 33, he instructs this to all the churches. Look what he says in verse 33. God is not a God of confusion. He is a God of peace as in all the churches of the saints. And so, Paul is saying that, 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 that our God is a God of order. Now, if you recall, let me just give you a for instance. It has nothing to do with women teaching in church, but it has everything to do with order within the family of God. If you recall, we, we read in verse 39, My brethren, therefore my brethren, chapter 14, verse 39, desire earnestly to prophesy, but don't forbid to speak in tongues. Yet... Watch what Paul does concerning this statement. Don't forbid us to speak in tongues. I have no problem with that. You shouldn't have any problem with that. But Paul brings tongues under order within the family of God. Look at verse uh, 27, for instance. He says, if anyone speaks in a tongue, here he's giving order to what he says, don't let anyone stop. If anyone speaks in a tongue, he says, it should be here by two, at the most three. 
each in turn, and let one interpret. In other words, there should be order to it. Nobody should be speaking over another because what they are saying in the tongue is of importance. But there must be an interpreter. Look what he says in verse 28. If there is no interpreter. In other words, if you speak in tongues and no one's there to interpret what the person is saying, it should be, he said, in other words, excuse me, verse 28. If there is no interpreter, let that person keep silent in the church. Let him speak to himself and, and to God. And so what we see is that Paul is putting the church in order. And for what reason? Well, so that we can reach our community, our loved ones, our, our families for the cause of Jesus Christ. And to do this, there must be order. There must be structure, not only within our homes, but as we're going to see today, within our churches. Now, here's where I wrote down for my own self, fools rush in where angels would fear to tread. Uh, I'm, I've, every service so far, I've sweat like I was on a cat on a hot tin wolf. <laughs> every one I got cotton mouth. In fact, this is one of the few times I brought my own water. I, uh, I, um, I want to be able to teach this clearly. But I don't want to misinterpret. Um, I, I want you to know this, too, as well. There are some churches that, that just will not allow a woman to be in a place of leadership. Not so here. No, we believe that a woman here has every reason to, to rise to whatever level they can apart from being an elder and a pastor. That, I think we're going to teach to you in the weeks to come in, in, in 1 Timothy, that that's not allowed. That's God's decision, not ours. But within a church, as, as you saw Shelley up here, and as, as I'm going to show you some other ladies in our church, we don't believe that. We believe that God has, a, has order to this. I'm going to show it to you as best I know how here out of 1 Corinthians and out of 1 Timothy. First, pray with me, please. Father, we, we come to you in prayer because, um, goodness, Father, there's nowhere else to turn. I, Father, by the way, I want to thank you for Craig and just the wonderful music and the worship that uh, we had in Lauren singing and the guys just uh, just doing such a great job bless them father so much and thank you so much that we can worship you with music we can worship you with the uh, the word of god we can worship you with uh, our script there's different ways father that we can honor you and worship you within the structure of this church everything has order everything has order father you are a god of order so bless us please as we go from here let if there's any sin in my heart father i pray that you would remove it please I pray that you would um, allow me to be quick to confess and, and to repent from anything, Father, that might, um, that might stand in the way of, of my message or, or my li life or, or walk with you. And I, I pray your blessings upon each of us here. Move me aside, Father. That would be, Father, my first choice, that you might um, teach us from your word and your heart so that we might see what you have to say with the ladies and the women that you have so graciously given to us at this church. Uh, bless us now, I pray in Jesus' most precious name. Amen. Here's what I want us to know for certain. We're going to start from this premise. If we look again at verse 33, you're going to see that this, this principle of a woman not speaking in a church was not a local phenomenon or a cultural thing. It was universal. Look what Paul says in verse 33. God is not a God of confusion. He is a God of peace, as in all the churches of the saints. 
So he is speaking to all the churches, not, not just then, not just that day, but today and forever. But here's the rub. Is he truly saying that women, all of you, are to keep silent within the framework of a church? Is Paul saying to the ladies here in our congregation that there is absolutely no place for you to serve within this body of Christ? What about our staff? What about the wonderfully gifted women who serve the Lord so faithfully here at the Rock? What about the women of old that we see in the Old Testament as well as the New Testament? There's the prophetess, Deborah, in the New Testament. There's Anna, there's Priscilla, many, many, many others. So why now? Why here? Why are women to stay silent now? Well, let's look at the requirements of silence. We're going to break it down into two parts. What are the requirements? Verse 34 of of 1 Corinthians 14. The women are to keep silent in the church. They are not permitted to speak. Okay, that's a hardcore statement. But here's what they're to do. They're to subject themselves just as the law also says. So we need to understand, what is the law saying to the woman? Verse 35 kind kind of adds to that so that we can make something of all of this. If they, if a woman desires to learn anything, then let her ask her own husband at home. It's improper for a woman to speak in church. We find a clue in both verses 34 and verse 35. First and foremost, a woman is to subject themselves to the law. That's that's very important. Now, we learned as we went through what is a family, what is a a wife to be like? Well, we learned in in the book of Genesis that, that, that because of the curse, because of the fall, because of the woman taking upon that fruit and, and, and eating of it and, and all of that, there, there became upon her, God placed upon all women, a curse. Part of that curse is a part of that law. That curse says you are to be subject to your own husband. And we have already learned, ladies, that stings. That's not a comfortable thing to, to tell a woman. The second thing is then we learn in verse 35 that they are to ask their own husbands at home. Let's start with the obvious. The Greek words that translate quiet or silent are a couple. One is sigato. It, it's found some 17 times. It's, we've already read it. Look at verse 28 and verse 30. It says, if there is no interpreter. We just read that, Remember? That, that then he must keep silent in the church. Let him speak to himself and, and to God. Verse 30, But if a revelation is made to another who is seated, the first one must keep silent. So let's be fair. Be fair. If Paul is saying women are to keep silent, then he is also saying that men too are to keep silent within the structure of the church. So what is clear is this, both men and women at times within the structure and the order of a church are to keep silent. What we find are there are different Greek uses of the words silent and quiet. There is, for instance, the word hesukia. It's used four times. There's another word, hesukios. It's just used a couple times. There's a verb, hesukadso. It's used several times. These three translations of quiet 
are directed to two different distinctive groups. One is a crowd of people. They are all to keep quiet. And the other is found in 1 Peter 3.4. Let me read it to you. Let it be the hidden person of the heart, that imperishable quiet, uh, quality of a gentle and quiet spirit. It's not talking about a crowd. It's talking about our individual quiet spirit within us that's precious, it says, in the sight of God. So, what might help us is to find the opposite of the word silent or quiet. And, and, and the sample words would be argumentative. That makes more sense. So quiet and silent might better be seen as not to become argumentative within the body of Christ. Well, that's for all of us. We're not supposed to be argumentative with one another. We're to bring peace and order to the body of Christ. So... If silent and quiet refers to both men and women, if silent and quiet refers to a crowd as well as individuals, and if the opposite of silent and quiet is argumentative, then why is Paul speaking to a woman? And if he is speaking to a woman in this case, which women? Is she single? Very important. Is she married? even more important. In this context, it will help explain, Paul is teaching order, order within the church and order within our homes. Now, when you and I see the word man used within Scripture, there are normally two Greek words that translate man. Now, I hope I'm not giving you way too much information. For one word of man, it is athropos. That is the Greek word for men in general, all of us. All men here are athropos, men in general. But there is also a word used for a man who is a husband, and that is the word aner. Now within Scripture, when it talks about a woman, there is only one word given for a woman. And to see if she is married or single, you have to find out how her, the gender of woman, is used in connection with the man in the text. And here's where it's interesting. In every single case, every single case, ladies, where we find that a woman is to be silent or quiet or submissive or not argumentative within church, we see that it is connected with the word man, which is a nair, not the other word, which means men in general. See, Paul is not saying, ladies and men, he is not saying that all women are to be submissive and or quiet to all men. But he is saying, as the law states, when we get back to where God placed a curse upon the woman, he is saying that a wife is to be submissive to her own husband. Remember when we studied, you don't need to turn to it, it's in Ephesians Chapter 5, verses 21 and 22. In, 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 in verse 21 of chapter 5 of Ephesians, it's talking to both men and women. It says, I want you to be subject to one another in the fear of Christ. That's, that's the framework of our home. That's the framework with our relationships with one another. We are to be subject to one another in the fear of Christ. That's part of life. But the next verse says, and wives... Be subject to your own husbands. That's the law of God. That's, that's the, the part that God says, 
you, under, you have to be under the law. That's part of the curse that, that fell upon all mankind and womankind since the very beginning of time. And so here's what I want you to be clear of, ladies as well as gentlemen. The Bible never, ever, ever teaches that all women are to be quiet and or submissive to all men, just wives to their own husbands. Let me show you this. If you're in 1 Corinthians, if you turn back a couple of pages to chapter 11, Paul says this, verse 3, look. I want you to understand something he says. Here's what I want you to understand. Christ is the head of every man. And the man is the head of a woman. And God is the head of Christ. Now, key to this verse is the word man. Can you guess when it says man, which man is it talking about? You think it's talking about men in general? It is not. It's talking about the man aner. In other words, the wife or the woman is to be, uh, or the man, the, the husband, is to be the head of his wife. That's, that's the law. That's the way God set it up. It's not that all men are to be the head of all women. It's just not the way it was supposed to be. The Bible doesn't teach the general headship of all men over all women. Let me give you just a, a, a clear-cut example. One of the most creative and most talented ladies I know, I have a really a great friend in this church by the name of Debbie Brown. I, I just like her. She, she and I, we hit on every cylinder. She's, we laugh at the same things. We, we're very, both of us are, well, I won't tell you what I think both of us are, but I, I'm crazy. I'm a little bit crazy, and I love my relationship with her. And she does our computers. And when my computer breaks down in my office at home, when she comes, I don't tell her what to do. She is over me when it comes to the computer. When she tells me, do this, 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 and that, I am to do this, 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 and that. And I can't say to her, well, wait a minute, wait a minute. Don't you know who you're talking to here? I'm the senior pastor. Uh, I'm not going to do this, 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 and that. I'm going to do this, that, that, and this. You know, and she looks at me and says, oh, no, you're not. Not if you want your computer to work. You see, when it comes to that point in time, she has authority over me concerning the computers. And rightfully so. Rightfully so. The Bible doesn't teach that there is a general headship of all men over all women. It's just the, the, the order that God brings within the church and the family of a husband and a wife. Listen to what Paul said, Galatians 3, 20, 28. Listen to it. Don't need to turn. He said, there is no longer slave nor free. He says, there is no longer Jew nor Gentile. He says, there is no longer male or female, because we are all what? One in Christ. So when the Bible teaches headship, when the Bible teaches authority, it teaches it about a marriage that the husband is to be the head over his own wife. So now, with that in mind, look back again at 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verses 34 and verse 35. Why does Paul give this instruction? Why is the wife to be silent in church? Why is she asked her, asked, she's supposed to ask her husband when, when they get home? 
In verse 34, it says again, the woman is to keep silent in the church. She's not permitted to speak. Let her be subject to the law. If she's going to desire to learn anything, let her ask from her own husband. He's bringing order within the family structure. In Genesis 3.16 that we learned when we talked about husbands and wives, the husband shall rule over his wife. That was a part of the original curse. And the issue that Paul is teaching, both in 1 Timothy and here in 1 Corinthians 14, is the order within marriages that spills over and has an order within the framework of the church. And so what we see clearly, remember I told you to hold your place in 1 Timothy? Please turn back there just for a second. Now let's see. You're going to see that it kind of fits. Watch how it, how it fits together. Paul is teaching Timothy by taking Timothy and those in the, the church in Ephesus, as well as you and me, back to the garden experience. Look at verse 11. A woman. Now, you've got to ask yourself, is that all women? Well, we're going to see in verse 12. A woman must quietly receive instruction with entire submissiveness. But, he says in verse 12, I do not allow a woman to teach or exercise authority over a man. Guess. Guess. Do you think that means men in general? No, it does not. Verse 12 says, man, a nair, meaning her own husband. She's to remain quiet. Then he tells us why. Because in verse 13, it was Adam who was first created, not, not Eve. And it was not Adam who was deceived. It was Eve who fell into this transgression. In other words, that's the reason why there is this curse. So when we see that it is said that a woman is to keep quiet or silent in church, Paul is saying that a wife is to be tranquil, not to be argumentative. It isn't that a woman cannot teach within the framework of a church. It isn't that a woman cannot become involved within the body of Christ. Heaven forbid. No, it's that a woman who is a wife of a husband... One wife, one husband is not to usurp her husband's authority. That's the law of God. And it is order between a husband and wife. It is not order, ladies, between you and me. If you are over me in any area, you are over me in any area. In fact, I, last night was kind of cute. We, we got through with the message. I was sweating like crazy. I'd, I just, you know, I just was nervous about it. And, 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 and I think it was Shelly in the back. I'm not positive about this because it happened fairly quickly, but she talked to one of the guys on the mic and, and, and his wife was a cop. And, and she says, I, I, I bet you, she really is submissive to you all the time. She being a cop, didn't she? <laughs> and he laughed and he said, no, 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 no. She's a cop. She understands. And, and, and we kind of, I'm sorry, that's not as funny as I thought. I told you it was, it happened fast. I'm sorry. I'm nervous. I'm nervous. Listen, when Paul is speaking in order, he is sp speaking the order that God gave us for our homes and for our church. And what God wants more than anything else is, is, is men. I, I want to emphasize this. He wants godly, loving leadership from a husband. God wants husbands who desperately, I mean desperately, I mean madly are in love with their wives. And she in return honors her, her husband's love. And Paul is implying that order is destroyed. It is absolutely, utterly destroyed if a wife tries to usurp that authority of her own husband. It's not that she, not, she shouldn't be 
teaching in church. It's not that she should be quiet here, but rather that she ought not take authority over her own husband in the home and the church. By the way, gentlemen, this is just a throw-in. If, if, if your wife is going to be submissive to that teaching and she's going to go home and ask you, what did Pastor John mean by that? You, you, it would behoove you to know. That's why, gentlemen, it, it, I think it's really important for us as a body of believers, for us men, to, to be involved in a, in a Bible study with other men so that we can learn and, and, and gather information from one another so that we can become students of this, the Word of God, so that when our, our wives and our children come home and say, Daddy, Daddy, or, or, or husband, what did, what did they mean in church? We, we can say, I don't know. Rather, we can say, this is what they meant, and, and have a Bible study at home. In fact, we are going to have, in the year coming up, what we're going to call Encore. I believe it's called, okay, is that true? And, and we're going to try and go over what is been taught here so that we can also go over it at home and understand what is being taught. And so Paul is saying that authority in the church and in our lives is the Word of God. We believe that here at this church. Paul is saying that the husband is to be the wife, excuse me, the husband is to be the, the head over his wife, but, but Paul is not teaching that, that, that there is a general headship of men over women. Not on, not on your wildest dream, is that true? So ladies here at this church, whether you're single or whether you are married, you have as much a part of being involved in this church as anyone else. And God forbid that you would remain silent because you've added way too much to this church up to this place. May I show you some of the ladies? Not just some, not even close to all. But would you put up on the first slide? I, I asked Shelly to do this for me during this week and we just threw up some some names on the on the screen that that you should think of. Amy Morris is like unbelievable. What what would we do here at this church, folks? If you don't know, what would we do at this church without Alma, Amber Lockridge, and Beth Selleck, who Sherry McDermott? My goodness, what a godly woman. Connie, who works hand-in-hand hand with Alma. And Debbie Brown, who I said to you, already does our computers. And Dee Dee Hunter. And the next slide, this is Bill Morris's lovely wife, Dolores, who is, what a couple. Dorothy, Barry Hill. And I said this in the other two services. I, I think it bears saying, this has nothing to do with a woman, but Dorothy's husband, Bad, is... Uh, has his feet are, his bones are really fragile. I don't know if they're in this service or if they came the last. But his his feet are just just fragile. He wears these these boots. He wears them all the time. And last week or the week before, he stepped hard on something. And he broke a bone in his foot here at church. You know what he did after the service? He grabbed his vacuum cleaner as he normally does and he vacuumed all of this area like he normally does with a broken foot. You didn't know about it probably and I didn't until later. But by golly, God knew about it. Here's this man serving the Lord with a broken foot. He's got a sweet wife and Dorothy too, man. And then there's Jeannie and, and, and Janetta who is unbelievably brilliant as far as finances and HR is concerned. And Jenny, who could run this church by herself, 
Karen, who is probably one of the greatest teachers that God has ever given any church, any place, any time, to silent her would be a travesty of God's highest order. There's Kari. And probably the most brilliant person in our church is Kathy. Kathy is studying right now for her doctorate. To not to try to glean all that she is learning would be a disservice to every man here, as well as the women. Next slide would be Kay and Linda, Linda Wolford, who is just amazing. What a great, great wife. And Lindsay, who is so talented. And, and Lisa Kayan, who does everything, just seems to do it seamlessly. Liz and, and Lynn, who I've grown to love in our office, is just an amazing woman. I don't know what we'd do without her. And, and Melissa, good gosh, what a woman. Last slide I asked for is Pat and Craig's beautiful wife, Patty, all that she does, and, and Wes Porter's beautiful wife, Paula, and Sarah. Sarah Hill's like a superstar. She's like, she can do anything. Shelly and Sherry and Velma and so many others. Oh, ladies, let's not read this place in Scripture and think for a moment that we've asked you to be silent here in this church. Not in your wildest dream. We need each and every single one of us. All of us need one another. Men and women both. We need to make this place all that God wants it to be. And we can't do it hitting on just a couple of cylinders. We've got to hit on every single one. And so ladies, you are more, more than welcome we do not want you to be silent. We want to hear your voice. Father in heaven above, I want to thank you for this time that we've spent with one another. And I want to thank you for the kindness of bringing women into our lives. Most of us, if not all of us as men, understand how rough our edges would be if it were not for our wives. I think we understand fully, most of us as men, what a treasure you have given us through the women in our lives, whether they be our, our wives or whether they be just uh, friends. Lord, bless this church, both men and women of both. Bless this church. May we use the gifts of each person that you have so graciously given to us. And may we use it, Father, to glorify the most gracious and most wonderful name of, of all names, and that's the name of our Lord and Savior. Jesus Christ. It's in his name we thank you, Father. Amen. Well, that wasn't so bad, was it? <laughs> hey, we got a baptism in a little while. Thank you for being here. I love you all so, so much. Have a great, great day. God bless you.